0: Yeah, you know what you can get me Pee Wee? week? What? El Hombre. That was a catastrophe. <laughs> I know. I know. That's, that's a new low. Yeah. is better. El Hombre. Brought to you by Hunt Services. El Hombre. The natural meats, Rudy meats. Ah, I don't even know how to describe it. El Hombre. <laughs>
1: He's here, everybody. Every Tuesday at 5 o'clock, we bring in this man for a conversation. He joins us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. The one, the only, El Hombre. Michael Bradley is here with us. How are you, man?
0: You know, i just listened to that uh, that sports wrap-up or whatever it's called. And, boy, it's late February sports stink. I mean, <laughs> there is nothing going on. I mean, it is. Horrible. Well, yeah. Chiefs guy's going to get franchised. The rumor that Devontae Adams may get traded, and I forget what else was there. Yeah. It's nothing.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty light. We got the NFL Combine coming up. You know, in this town, uh, it, it's foreboding to talk NBA. They don't want to hear a word about it until the Sonics are back in town. So, we don't, okay. do, that, that sport is completely eliminated for the most part. And, you know, cracking kind of win, lose, win, yeah, lose. Not
0: making hockey so fun these days, right?
1: Yeah. So yeah, the options we're talking spring training and we're talking uh, combine and free agency. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. <laughs> we <Michael>. go. Let's <laughs> go.
0: It's what, great.
1: What are they talking about out there? What's the, what's the big headline out there? Is oh, it, we're
0: talking about, we're talking about the Eagles, of course there. And because it came out this week, uh, a few things. Remember against the 49ers, I don't know if you guys remember this, when the security guy pushed Greenlaw. Oh, oh yeah, during the oh, yes. game And then he got, okay, he got banned from the sideline. So it came out that he was like in charge of keeping the coach, Nick Sirianni, from losing his mind and yelling at players during the game. He yeah. was sort of moderating his behavior and his emotions. So without him, Sirianni was like completely adrift during the game. Now something else is coming out that there was a lot of discontent in the locker rooms and Sirianni was favoring certain players over other players. And this all just came to a head at the last six weeks of the season. And that's why the team completely deteriorated. So it's, uh, it's it, it, that's all they're talking about here. Phillies now, nah, who cares? Flyers, uh, forget about it. Sixers, maybe a little bit, but it's all Eagles all the
1: time. Is that the story that came out? It was it was it Craig Carton and and then Schefter was like rebuffing it, saying he's.
0: We, we don't know. We Carton won't tell you what the story is, uh, but there's I mean, look there's it, it, you cannot even question that there was trouble in the in the dressing in the locker room. Sorry, I was going hockey there for you a second in the dressing room, eh? You could not even debate that there was trouble there. And all sorts of stuff. A.J. Brown goes on Sports Talk Radio in Philadelphia, screams at the media for making stuff up, saying they're supposed to support the teams. No, they're not. Jalen Hurts is now being looked at as aloof and not able to handle his newfound fame with the big contract that he got, and that was a problem. Certain offensive linemen were favored over other offensive linemen. There's all sorts of stuff that, that keeps coming out. And, and today, both Sirianni and, and uh, GM Howie Roseman met the uh, media out in out Indianapolis for the Combine, and you would have thought that it was the tap-dancing championship of the world because the two of them didn't answer any questions straight.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah, the, the security guy you're talking about, is that the Dom DeSandro, is that his name? Big Dom,
0: of course, yeah. yeah.
2: I think it's interesting that a lot of the stuff we, we just mentioned, um, the, the Combine, and a lot of what goes on, Behind the scenes are guys like him, you know, and I know the the Seahawks do a really good job as far as the security, uh, not security, but background, checking background on all of these college players coming in. And that's one where Jalen Carter. Remember that kind of got bubbled yeah. up to the to the surface and there were some other things that came out. But that uh, Dom DeSandro guy, I mean, that might be the most important guy in Philly right now with the combine coming up.
0: Well, he's not, just, he's not as much the background guy. He's a fixer, all right? So you get a <laughs> the phone call late at night. Somebody did something they're not supposed to do. Somebody's uh-huh. in a little bit of a problem here. He's the guy who fix it, fixes it, and he's very much uh, earned the trust of the players. But you are correct. You know, you can watch a guy run around some combs and catch some passes and maybe even throw some passes. But the real stuff happens in the meetings, it happens in the interviews, it happens in the background stuff, because nobody wants to draft somebody who is not going to play hard, is going to be in trouble, or just isn't going to be an asset to the organization.
2: Yeah, and then, um, you know, the other thing that's kind of interesting about that, and I think it's because of Zoom and, and all that, but we're hearing now, uh, Michael, that there's lots of coaches that aren't going. Now, the Seahawk coaches aren't going because they're new and they're trying to get their, you know, system down and everything. But as far as attendance at um, at the Combine, it sounds like that's kind of becoming a thing where it's like, yeah, let's, I mean, I to me, you see the guy play, you know, you watch the film, all that. I mean, I'm mildly interested in all the drills and things, guys running around in their underwear, whatever. But mostly, to me, it's about the character uh, of these guys, and I think that's kind of interesting. And I, I feel like these security guys, more than ever, you know, that are doing background checks at the at the combine. I, I think that's one of the reasons, though, why you see um, the the coaches not going there anymore, just because you can you can get plenty from you know they have the scouts there and then you can get plenty from uh, the the zoom interviews
0: yeah you're right about that and you also can watch every drill on either live television or on tape yeah. so it's not as if you've got to be sitting 50 yards away watching them go and you can watch it in real time put your own clock on it or, or watching it in, on tape so i, I get that what, what i i mean and zoom interviews while they are you know they're they're productive I still think there's nothing like talking to people in person, mm-hmm. yeah I want to see how somebody responds when I ask them a tough question, and not just from the chest up how do, what do they do with their legs what do they I had a student in my class today in my in my office today she come in i'm I'm a second reader on a senior project, which means I just like have to go to the thing and ask a couple questions but she and one of the, the her teammates showed up in my office today. She'd never been in my office before. She was clearly nervous. Her right leg was going up and down like a piston in a sports car. <laughs> so I, 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 I want to see that from a guy. I want to ask, if I'm a coach and I, I've got a defensive back, I want to put him up on the board and start asking him, what do what you do in this situation? What do you do with this off, against this offensive set, etc.? So um, it's, it's, interesting. it's interesting to see um, all of this, how it plays out. And it's still going to be some team's going to make a dumb quarterback choice, even though all the evidence points to them not doing it because they think they need somebody and they'll t- they'll try anything they can to get somebody who can play the position.
2: I think you're right about that, being there in person. I do I do think that that, that really matters. So hopefully it doesn't hurt the Seahawks because they're not going to be there. So.
0: Hey, uh, well, I'm sure they'll have executives there. They might have oh, a GM yeah. or you know, somebody there.
1: Yep. By the way, Michael, I've had a number of people text in, and, and I think Dave even asked me, where, what is it you teach?
0: I teach journalism. I teach public speaking. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a full-time professor uh, there, and I'm also the faculty advisor to the school newspaper. At Villanova. Um, you'll love this one. Yeah, you'll lo- you'll love this one. I was just named a semifinalist for the prestigious Lindback Award for Outstanding Teaching at Villanova. Only 15 semifinals out of 600 nominated by the students.
2: Congratulations, that's awesome. Well, so, thank
0: you.
1: So they,
2: they I hope
0: <laughs> I don't get to the final round though, because there's like a 50-page package you got to fill out.
2: Oh
1: jeez, what a hassle! You're like, keep the award. I don't want to yeah. fill this damn
2: yeah. thing out. It, do you think, exactly. you, could, uh, you think you could? You uh, think you could teach me to uh, do the updates better so that I'm, I'm back <laughs> trading on with Bob? You or is that?
0: I'm going to tell you something. One month with me, and you would be a, a perfect public speaker. It'd be unbelievable. Okay. You'd be, you'd be like Walter Cronkite,
1: <laughs> <laughs> newsman extraordinaire. Yeah. Exactly. That's, so I guess your students like you. They really, really like you. I guess, right? They
0: like me. They really, really like me. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm a wise guy. I tell a lot of dad jokes and do silly stuff in class. <laughs> you know. Did you go see the? When did say you, a class, I always make sure. What's that? Did you watch the holdovers yet? No, I haven't. I got to see it. I understand it's something I have to see.
1: Yes. It was just, a, like I said, as I watched Paul Giamatti playing the role of a teacher there, it just, I, I kept thinking of you. I've never, I have no idea what kind of a teacher you are, what your personality is like in a classroom, but for some reason I just kept thinking of you.
0: It's pretty darn close to what you get on Tuesdays from 5 to 5.25 specific.
2: <laughs> I think I would be sitting in the back of your room. That's for sure. Dave, be gone. Don't look at me.
0: It doesn't matter. One of my favorite days of the year is the first day after spring break, which is coming up on March 11th and then March 12th, the first day of classes, because I give my halftime speech when I tell the students and look directly at them that I know they haven't been paying attention in class and that they've been sitting on their computers looking at videos and messaging and smiling. And and I just say, your class participation grade right now is really low. (laughs) And the looks on their faces, it's, it's priceless because they're like, how did he know? How
1: did he bust me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he sees it all. Yeah. Hey,
0: just
1: as far as I say, I'm Santa Claus. That's right. <laughs> Always watching. Hey, as far as uh, the combine goes, we we saw another element of it in Marvin Harrison Jr. is not attending period. You, you often see guys that don't work out, but they'll go there. They'll go through the medicals. They'll get measured, weighed, that whole thing. He's not even doing that. He doesn't have an agent right now. I am mean, I'm curious what you think of that, that approach.
0: Look, there, there's no reason for him to do it, right? The only, right now, every single mock draft has him going in the top five, if not the top three. And if the Bears decide to keep Justin Field and the number one over pick, overall pick, he could be number one. The only thing that he can do at the combine is hurt himself. And he will be brought in for interviews, and he will, you know, have a pro date probably at the horrible place in Columbus. And they'll, you know, he'll, He'll give people a chance to look, you know, look them over. But to go to the Combine, it's sort of like he's saying, why would I associate with all these other guys who aren't as good as me? I don't need to go there. No one is going to say we won't draft the best wide receiver by far in, in the draft because he didn't show up at the Combine. Now, blow off meetings with teams, uh, uh, you, know, uh, um, you know, refuse to talk to people, uh, don't do any kind of workout then maybe he's got a problem, but going to the combine for him. No, no need.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Well, you said he didn't have an agent though. Right. Right. Bob. Um Yeah. So uh, that's, that's kind of interesting, but uh, yeah, maybe it can't, it can only hurt him. Who knows? Hey, um I wanted to ask you about Scott service, the skipper for uh, the Mariners here. He made a, some off season trips that we kind of just found out about. He went and saw um, some of his leaders like Luis Castillo, J.P. Crawford, Cal Raleigh, Ty France, Logan Gilbert, Julio Rodriguez. And so what he did is, you know, gets on a plane, flies, goes and meets with them, hangs out with him, even went to the Dominican Republic. I thought that was that was really cool. Um, just and he just sat and visited with him and, you know, talked about leadership and, and things like that. And I don't know. Do you think in this day and age that that stuff still matters? Because I, I think it does.
0: Oh, it absolutely does. I I love that he did that. That is a great thing. Whit Merrifield just got signed by the Phillies, and he showed up, and they started asking him about what it's like to be at the team. He says it's unbelievable the culture that's in that locker room. And I know culture gets overused at every level of every sport, but it is so important to have a situation where the players – not only like each other but they respect the coaching staff. They think the man, they ha- they know how the manager is going to operate. They trust him when he makes a move or makes a decision or has to tell them something that he's doing it because it's for the good of the team. He's not being vindictive. Those kind of face-to-face off-season meetings think about anything you do. If you've got a friend and you're just texting with him or her and you're just and you're just calling, you don't have the same level of connection as when you're with that person in, 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 the, in the flesh. So I think it's a great move. I love it. Uh, they just asked one of the Phillies today about what the culture's like on the team, and he said it's great. He says it's not like the Latin guys go out to dinner by themselves and the other players go out by themselves. Everybody goes out with everybody. We're all doing stuff together. Now, that could be a bunch of malarkey, but if it's true, it's a reason, it, it gives you a good uh, look into why this team has been successful.
1: Hey, uh, speaking of that, I saw another article about uh, Bryce Harper and a potential contract extension. Why it's a good idea, even though he's got, I think, what seven years left on his deal or something like that. Yeah. Uh, is is that something you think realistically gets done? I know he said, "Hey, we got to get wheels signed. We got to get these other things done," which you know shows he's paying attention to the team around him and not just himself. But is is that something you expect to happen? That despite the amount of time he still has on that deal, that they'll?
0: Yeah, I don't think. I'm sorry. I don't think it's going to happen in March, but I think it will happen sometime this season. This is a guy who has really developed a bond with the owner, the main owner John Middleton. And and I think, you know, his he's going to they're going to look at him and say, "This is the guy we want to be here, to be happy." And and he's going to, you know, when he's 40, is he going to be hitting 35 home runs? Probably not. But he's in great condition. Other than the fact that he had a, 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 a UCL tear, which is odd for an outfielder, he's been in good shape and able to play, and he bounced back from it in record time. He's a gamer who wants to be on the field. He hits big home runs and makes big plays at the right time, and the fans love him. So it would be silly for the Phillies not to try to you know, tear the thing up and give him a new contract because he's not being paid as much as the other guys are at, this, at the same level anymore because the numbers keep going up.
2: Hey, uh, I forget what uh, what your your take was on speeding up the game and everything. We heard a, a story today where somebody was trying to say that uh, it was leading to injuries for the pitchers because you know the the speed of the game because you know they're they're lowering lowering the numbers and, and you know I don't know I think I think I, I noticed it much more when I went to a game, not so much on TV, but when I went live. But what was your overall takeaway and? you think the MLB knocked it out of the park on that one?
0: Absolutely delighted. I mean, MLB to me is – all of the leagues have big problems, right? you got sexual predators in hockey. The NBA now, they just admitted nobody plays any defense. It's it's no fun anymore. It's nice to eat marshmallows, but you don't want to eat 40 of them, okay? (laughs) So it's nice to watch guys (laughs) score a lot of points, but you don't want to see it all the time. You want to see a little bit of defense being played. The NFL, you you can't trust the refs. And and MLB basically screws everything up, but they got this one right. And and I know some pitchers are upset, et cetera, et cetera, but you know what? They're going to adjust. The, The players and the minors are going to be adjusting to it. And guess what? This is how it used to be, okay? I watched an inning from the 1971 World Series between Pittsburgh and Baltimore. The pitcher caught the ball, looked for the side, threw the pitch. He could have been working on a 10-second pitch clock. So I'm very happy with it. They've cut down number of mound visits. They've knocked one off of there, so it's four rather than five. They've cut down the number of seconds when there's a runner on base, I think from 20 to 18 for the upcoming season. And it's nice to go to a game that lasts two hours and 20 minutes, two hours and 25 minutes, rather than sitting there an hour and 20 minutes in and going, oh, my Lord, it's only the third inning? This is grim. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was uh, Spencer Strider from the Braves that, that tried to connect the injuries that have been going on to, you know, the pitch clock, which it was a pretty extensive article. And they did all this research and said they there was no discernible difference between in the last decade from, from you know, the pitch clock and no pitch clock, like basically having no impact on injuries that didn't change because of that, which seems far fetched. Oh, I've got two less seconds to th- throw a pitch. That's way too taxing on my elbow or my shoulder. It doesn't seemed to make a ton of sense. Um, speaking of pitching. And
0: Spencer Strider. By the way, Spencer Strider should focus on trying to beat the Phillies in the postseason rather than whining about <laughs> the beat-up rules. Okay? Le- Mr. Leg Day uh, can't get it done in the postseason two years in a row. So stop, stop your belly aching, you weasel. I,
2: I knew that instantly that he's from the Braves and there was going to be an NL East uh, yeah. comment there. That's why I mentioned his name. How do, you like
0: your, how do you like your NL East banners, fellas? Yeah. Can't win in the playoffs. Hey, do you see? A, and
1: I constantly get uh, you know whether it's a text uh, during the show or on Twitter. Is somebody going to take a chance on Trevor Bauer? Do you think? Because he said he'll play for before, the league minimum
0: before the season. I don't think before the season. season. I think it's going to be it's you know, or, or if it is before the season, it's going to be a team that has a lot of injured injuries and just have to sit down and say, all right, we got it, we got to bite it, and we got to do it. Um, he's he's not somebody that. Would be welcome. I mean, there'd be fans that wouldn't like him, The media would rip the team. It's just not a popular pickup.
1: What? What? If, uh, sorry. What? But what if the Phillies did that? I mean, would there be? Because he's the court case has been settled or whatever was going on. However, they settled it. It's it's no longer an issue with him. Uh, yet there still seems to be sentiment uh, around him that he's not a great guy, even prior to all these accusations that he was not a a popular figure in the in the clubhouses. And but you got people like Jonathan Papelbon saying, "I'll I'll pay his minimum salary if a team gives him a chance." I'm not sure why he's so invested, but it's nobody
0: in- like Jonathan Papelbon either. He was a, <laughs> a bit of a turkey. So I mean, look, here's the thing: if he showed up in Philadelphia, the media would, would tear him to shreds. And, and then if he started to play poorly, the fans would rip him a new one. I mean, you saw what they did to Kimbrel last year. I can't believe the Orioles signed him. This is a team that actually wants to win now. I could see if it's the Marlins or the Pirates or some of these awful teams that would say, okay, we'll sign him because we've got to have players on the team. The Tigers, right, who who, I don't know if you saw on Sunday – Four guys, two infielders and two outfielders misplayed a little bloop into right center field and yep. put inside the park home run. Yeah. yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Tiger Baseball, get your tickets now. <laughs> so he he's, he's somebody. Philadelphia would not be the landing spot for for Bauer. You just couldn't do that.
2: And by the way, kudos for using the word turkey. I think it's making a comeback. <laughs> I really like that. I, I word. do.
0: I like it. I yeah. like it too. It's it, it, and it's great line from Trading Places. It ain't cool being a jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let,
2: let's let's bring that one back, Michael. Uh, okay, uh, we'll get on it. We'll, we'll get on
1: that. Yeah, that's one yeah. he was talking about his chain belt and karate chain belt.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a chain belt. i Kung Fu. Yeah. I'm a karate man. I'm bruised on the inside. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it, that, that play you were just describing where the guy's heel kind of kicks up and kicks the ball yeah. into, into right field. Uh, you've been watching baseball longer than, than me. I, I've never seen anything like that before. Have you ever seen?
0: No, I haven't. I mean, and then Jason Stark on The Athletic writes a great column. I don't know if it's every week or every couple of weeks where he really goes into like the statistical minutiae of what's going on in baseball and finds stuff that you say, holy cow, that happened for the first time. There's been how many games played over how many years and that's, but that's, that's a new one for me, yeah. And inside-the-park home run on a bloop to right field that four guys converge on, and one of them just kicks it, and the guy keeps going.
1: No, it was beautiful. Clearly, I did it on purpose. Yeah, it was a very skilled move by him.
0: Well, they had a bet on the game.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) A home run to shallow second base is what that was, essentially.
0: Yeah, it was a plus 27,000. It was great. He made a lot of money.
1: He is El Hombre. Michael Bradley, you find him here every Tuesday at 5 o'clock, and you can find him on Twitter, at Daily Hombre. At Daily Hombre is where you find him on Twitter. Michael, as always, we appreciate it. Great stuff. We'll do it again next week.
0: So long, suckers.
1: There you go. There you go. Left, go had to jump in save he, save the sound effect. Uh, I, I thought I'm sorry. I know. Uh, I thought he was going to say
2: so long, turkeys. Turkeys, yeah. yeah. He's going to bring that back. You like that calling
1: somebody a turkey?
2: I like it. I think it's funny. It's uh, <laughs> used to be like a, a major
1: slight back in the 70s. To call somebody a turkey? Yeah. <laughs> or a jive turkey. Jive turkey. Yeah, that is trading places with the two big guys yeah. in the in the gel cell. <laughs> so good. All right. Our thanks to uh, Michael Bradley. Coming up, how do the Mariners address some uncertainty in the corner outfield? We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and
0: Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.
1: Our thanks to Michael Bradley, who joined us in the previous segment. In case you're just tuning in, that conversation is going to be located on the podcast page at seattlesports.com after the show. But click subscribe. That's a way to avoid having to go through the process of clicking on the podcast tab, clicking on our picture, looking for it, where is it? You just click subscribe, then it's you're taken care of from that day forward, Dave. I think I've heard you mention that. Yeah. A timer 12. Yeah. It's it's just trying to make everybody's life easier. That's where technology can make your life easier, right there. Yeah. One stop, one button push, boom, you're done.
3: Oh, you said push. For your benefit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt's not here to chime in for you. Yeah. So we had to do it for you, Dave. Push. Thank you. <laughs> push. <laughs>
1: uh, meanwhile, taking a look at this Mariner team who are out there in the midst of spring training. Brock and Salk out there this week. We will be out there the week of March 11th. Looking forward to that. Get a look at the team, but uh, just looking at some of the some of the the good and the bad with the team. We've talked about third base. That's that's been my biggest concern so far. Is what that may look like and what it may produce or not produce during the regular season. But um, the corner outfield is interesting because you don't. It doesn't feel like you've got set players in the way that Mitch Haniger can play the outfield. He's he's a decent fielder, but he's just a guy who's not been available. So it feels like this is, and if, especially if they're going to try to. Keep him healthy. They're going to want to limit the wear and tear on his legs and his body. So uh, I could see him uh, very much in in a uh, you know in a rotation out there, and then maybe out in left field as well. Whether it's Rayleigh, it's Canzone. I don't know how they're going to set this whole thing up. But uh, Scott Service talking about the plan for the corner outfield.
4: Yeah, we've got options. And we haven't always had options. I think with the, uh, obviously, Dom Canzone, um, you know, that we picked up last year, midseason, uh, Luke Raley coming over from Tampa, and, and what Hanny can do out there. You're working with those three guys moving. The, the center fielder. we're pretty well set. Who's going to play center, Mike? So, you know, <laughs> some guys are going to match up better than others. I think where Mitch is at, it's critically important for us if we can, you know, keep him available, keep him healthy. And So he may need a few days off. And in the past, when a day off for Mitch Henniger was automatic DH, well, we have a DH now when it's really capable of doing a good job there. So it could be a complete off day or, you know, there's a there's a matchup that favors him and he comes in in the seventh inning and goes from there. But, you know, we'll manage that, you know, as we go through the season. You can never have too many good players. And I, I do think that all of them will benefit through the entire season. Um, and that's really what we're shooting for here. It's, it's how many games can we win, not how many games can one guy play.
2: I sure hope
1: he's right about that. We have a DH. In Garver, yeah. yeah. I mean it's on paper it looks to be as close to a full time DH as they've had since Nelson Cruz. Yeah.
2: And it's been a while. <laughs> Nelson yeah. hasn't been here for a long time. Um, yeah, with with the Hanniger thing like preserving him, I thought the deal was with him that it wasn't so much that, you know, he was getting like soft tissue problems and strained hamstrings and stuff like that. It was just more big events like accidents. And so I mean I, all the work that Mitch has done and everything, do you is does it sound like to you that they're they're just trying to they're just going to keep him out? I mean, what if he's good to go? I mean, I, as far as I know, you know, it's it's like he's good to go until all of a sudden he gets a hit in the junk or you know <laughs> hitting the face or you know breaks an arm or whatever. I mean, is it is the issue
1: with him that he's going to wear down? I, I, I think they're trying to limit his exposure. Frankly, like let's to not accidents. Let, yeah, to, to the more he's out there, the more opportunity there is for something to, to go happen. Yeah, I, and I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. if they feel the body at this point in his career is fragile, maybe it's more susceptible to do, to those soft tissue injuries. What? Ha, who knows? I mean, i I think they just get that in this guy's career, he's only had two seasons over a hundred games. Yeah, and it's just been what has followed him and to expect that all of a sudden hey he's going to be healthy for 157 he'll be fine i don't and that's not a safe assumption so i think they're doing the right thing essentially yeah. now we'll see how it truly looks like is it just going to be a day off here or there if he's red hot i assume they're going to leave him in the lineup you don't want to mess with that um i how they choose, how they, you know, maybe they just see something at the plate. Maybe he, just, he doesn't look the same one game. All right, it's time to give him some time off, let him rest, recharge. I don't know. Well, th- they're going to figure it out as they go. Um, from Mitch's point of view, though, he's he was asked about, you know, balancing the highs and lows of his career to this point.
5: Yeah, definitely been, been both throughout the career and um, I guess thankful to exp- have experienced both. And um, I think the bad times or the tough times is just – allowed me to soak in the good ones better and um you know just like i said trying to give back to my teammates and and the fans and and play hard for the team i want to i've always talked about that ever since i got here i want to win a world series in seattle and um this city's starving for you know another winning team and um it was such a great feeling going to the playoffs and sucked falling short but um we accomplished part of our goal that year and i know they're, they missed the game playoffs by a game last year and we're looking to get back there and do that again and um for me I mean, i'm i'm really thankful for everything i've had in my career you know the ups and the downs and i like i said earlier i just think it's it's made me grow a of as a person and a player so um i think now it's just have fun enjoy play hard and help the guys around me and let's let's win a world series
2: Can you imagine sitting next to him and uh in the clubhouse and hearing those kinds of things. I mean, he could be bitter about it. I mean, he's talking about appreciating the good times and then soaking it in and just all of the – I mean, you talk about great leadership. I mean, you're a young guy and you're struggling and you you listen to him, you know, all the stuff that he's gone through. He says, and come here, kid,
1: sit next to, sit next to me. I'll tell yeah. you about struggles.
2: I mean <laughs> – yeah, look, same thing with, uh, you know, I thought it was a really cool move. Uh, we all did. Uh, Scott Service going and visiting everybody. And a lot of people might say, well, those things don't really matter. Can he hit the ball? And, you know, and then you have the other, you know, the other uh, side of it where you have guys going down to driveline and all these little technical things that are, you know, about the swing and, and, and all that. But I don't know. I, I feel like a guy like Mitch Haniger. He uh, he he just has such a great perspective on being a, a professional athlete, and I remember that you know my my last year in the league. I didn't know it was my last year, but just I, I remember talking to a couple of the young guys. I'm like, dude, we get paid a lot of money to to play a game mm-hmm. that we love. I mean that that just having that perspective especially you know when you're a young guy and you you know you have uh, you're having problems and you think you don't like it and it's it's no fun i mean th- this is a great it's exposure to a guy who just really gets it
1: yeah yeah absolutely and hopefully you know the younger players will listen you know are they receptive to that message you know so yeah. oftentimes you have to go through it to appreciate it, it's like you know having your parents tell you, "Well, this is gonna, you're gonna remember this when you're older." And as as a young person, you're like, "Yeah, yeah okay, whatever." Right. I know everything now. I'm good. But
2: you know, and <laughs> they they joke around and call Scott Service, you know, the the dad and yeah. what his dad jokes and everything. And you don't always listen to your to your coaches like you should, mm-hmm. because a lot of times they are as old as your dad. But you know, for to have a, a guy that, and I guess Mitch is an – older guy as as far as a major league baseball career goes but to have a guy like that telling you it's coming from a different you know source I remember a couple of times my brother who's two years older than me you know saying the same thing my dad said and it just got through yeah it got through differently just because it wasn't coming from my dad
1: Uh one more from Mitch just explaining what he's learned from all of these injuries
5: yeah it definitely feels like bad luck but I think uh, for me I've learned a lot from all the injuries and I think I've grown a ton as a person so for me, I'm feeling like being back here in Seattle, having gone through a bunch of rehabs, a bunch of surgeries, and um, as an athlete, I think the two hardest things to get over is like terrible performance and sur- having surgery—you know, career-threatening surgery—and I've had plenty of both. So, um, I think it's just prepared me to come back and step into a leadership role and and help the younger guys. I feel like there's a lot of guys on the team I can relate to, whether it's going through an injury, performing poorly, um, trying to get established as a big leaguer. I mean, I've I've been through a lot in my career and. I think I'm looking at is is how can I help the guys around me? I think this is what what needs I got to rise to that occasion and yeah. and take that on head on.
1: So just reiterating what, what you just said. <laughs> you just, what a he's, guy! He's, he's just a wellspring of information for a young guy who's hey you're dealing with an injury. Well, let me tell you about the twelve I've had and mm-hmm. you know you rehabbing from surgery. Well, let me tell you about the four I've had and you know oh, you're struggling. Well, let me tell you about the. I mean, he can speak from firsthand experience to all of those things.
2: Yeah, you know, I think, I think the hardest part is the injury part of it. You know, I I remember um, I worked as hard as I ever worked. It was I think I was turning 30. I was having a kid. I was recently married. I'm like, I'm an old man. So I got in really good shape, came into camp, had a great camp. It was like my eighth year in the league. And then right before the opening uh, game we were going to play on Sunday night, I think it was one of the first ones on ESPN, and uh, the last padded practice, I blew my knee out in mm-hmm. practice. and the, the problem with that is that, yeah, you got to go through the surgery and all that. but everything you did leading up to that just poof, goes away. Yeah, all that hard work. So you know for for Mitch, it's been it's been kind of a, a tortured existence for him and he's uh, he's really handled it well and I just I love hearing all that stuff from him.
1: All right, coming up, we had a special appearance on What We Learned Today. At least that's what he wrote here. We'll all find out together what exactly that means. That's coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.
0: This is a house of
2: learned
3: doctors. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard.
0: What did we learn today? No one's a bigger idiot than me. (laughs) It
4: is the easiest way out.
0: A special
1: appearance in what we learned. I was trying to think of what that could be during the break. But I guess we're all going to find out together right now, right, Lefko?
3: Yeah, I guess. I, I didn't necessarily want to do that one first, but you're right. We built we don't it have up. To, you don't have to do it first. We you're just right. Teach people it's, it's going to be coming up, some special
2: appearance. Mark, like, you want to get ahead.
3: ahead. I, you're, how you want to do yeah. that? I'm going to do you today, women. What I'm going to do is I'm going <laughs> to spoil the best thing first. And what we learned today is that Brock is very
4: encouraging during interviews. <laughs> the work he put in in the offseason mm-hmm. than he was maybe a year ago because it wasn't easy for him last year he had a rough year
1: yeah i love how brock will just subtly cheer on the inter the interviewee with their answer mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> yep <laughs> mm-hmm. yep yep <laughs> yep you're saying the right thing scott keep going you're doing well you're doing well
2: i think <laughs> bob i think brock does a fantastic <sighs> job i have no criticisms whatsoever. Because I don't want him listening too closely to me. When in our spring training.
1: <laughs> uh, that won't stop him. He'll he'll have some things to say. He was already trying to throw you under the table with the whole dating a cheerleader thing. Remember that? Uh oh. Uh oh. We got our guy Dan Wyman who didn't follow those rules. Yeah, you know, and it's not
2: even throwing me under the under the table, as uh, Leftco says, but it's it's more like he just gets like he gets like he giggles. He gets giddy. He's
1: an instigator. Yeah. That's what he does. He's Woody he, the Woodpecker. Yeah. What are you, an instigator? He's a troublemaker. Yeah. Yeah. He gets he gets a kick out it if he can get two people kind of sparring back and forth, he'll look at you like, mm-hmm. see that? I did that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm not saying anything
2: about his interview skills, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I, I don't I don't need him coming back. <laughs> on me with that. Uh, so, are you afraid of can... Brock? Yeah. You know, last year I had uh, he came, had me on. I don't know if you guys remember. I, w- I got up early and I went on yeah. on the show, and Brock was mm-hmm. leading the show, and so mm-hmm. I think he interstopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. I, like I was sitting there on hold for like five minutes, and
3: they were just talking.
2: Forgot and I about you, him and Ryan Roland Smith. I'm like, hey guys, do you need me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> can I can I go Can I go back to bed?
3: Yeah. Uh, well, we are going to have him on tomorrow, so you have free reign to do that to him. Mm-hmm. Or yes, nah, do whatever and throw that at him tomorrow. So, yeah, Brock's lots of fun when it comes to that. <laughs> All right. Well, we also learned that uh, we solve the important questions around here.
1: Hey, do we get the proper spelling on Schmagegi? I don't know that there is one, Dave. I don't okay. know what the I don't know what the proper spelling is and.
2: Maybe text it in 866-979-3776. <laughs> we,
1: we saw a few attempts.
2: Mac and Jack's text line. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, it's funny is I think Leftco took a shot at them at the listeners when we were talking about that, so they started taking shots at Leftco instead of. They were, yeah, I can spell Schmagegi and then they'd write Leftco, and then they'd misspell his name.
2: And Mike told me during the break, um, keep them coming.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shmagegi is a word. There is technically a spelling. What, what does a, it mean? It's a Yiddish word. Is it? So just. I don't know what it technically means, but yeah. Ask Taylor. He knows everything. It means putts. Uh, an unadmirable, petty person. Unadmirable. Mm-hmm. Joe Schmagegge is yeah. a
1: petty person. Poor Joe. Another
3: definition has it as baloney, hot air, or nonsense. Schmagegge. So he'd be like a Joe full of nonsense. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
3: Petty, full of nonsense. It's not a compliment, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's just
1: Joe random guy. Schmagegge. Yeah. I had no idea. I don't even know where I heard that. I heard that years ago years and i i can couldn't. that's
2: yours you brought that to the show yeah i didn't yeah. make it
1: up i can tell you that i heard it from somebody as we found out during the show i
2: can't use my my fake name
1: yeah that that would be bad that would be bad something for something that'd be bad for you and bad for the show dave <laughs> so don't do it you can be josh mcgaggy all right uh but yeah the, so you had a you had a spelling on it though right
2: yeah, I'm looking at it here, i Mike, you might have gone to the same place, yeah. but it says how to say shmagegi. S-C-H-M-E-G-E-G-G-E, and it says it's a Yiddish word, huh. and uh, yeah, there we go. It's a good one. I like that word. you have been saying that for, you've been saying that for years, <laughs> and uh, we never even got into it, so here we go.
3: Now, I feel like, now do you, you know. think El Hombre might have brought that up? I feel like that's a word he would say.
1: Uh, no, I, I, I honestly been saying it forever. I didn't hear from him, but I... Josh. I also can't tell you where I heard. I don't remember, hmm. but I, I certainly didn't make it up. Yeah. So probably at the same time I heard uh, "fakakta."
3: That well, yeah, those I are like very that similar word. words. That one always worries me. I like that one. That. That's a good one. Yeah, we uh, we were worried earlier when um, McCaffrey was saying "shift" and Taylor ah. was back here like, "Oh, big, uh, uh, oh, Whoa. what's he saying? Whoa. What's he saying." Somebody, Matt Nelson does that too.
2: Somebody the other day was it? Was it Schneider? Yes. <laughs> oh well, Schneider <laughs> <definitely> almost. <laughs>
3: It looked, sounded like he was going to say
2: something, but somebody else with the shift thing said it in a way that we're like, "Ooh, wait, what
1: yeah." We say it rapidly; you can yeah. you can fool some people. Be out careful there. on that yeah. one.
3: Well, uh, speaking of things we learned today, we learned that Bob brought another word to the show today.
2: Flynn. I mean, you know, that guy actually, you know, looked looked like he
1: was pretty good, but then six number... touchdowns against the uh, Detroit Lions as a Green Bay Packer.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. The day, uh, the week uh, or the year before. That, yeah. You know, it was like a, it was like a garbage game, I think. Yeah, but still. But yeah, he
1: threw six, six touchdowns. Six tutties, Dave, as oh, they call stop it. Stop it. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you say that, Bob? But, but no, nah, I, I felt dirty I know it. that
2: you're irritating yourself
1: yeah. as much as I'm, you're irritating me. Much like Matt upsets himself, I'm I'm disgusted yeah, with that. Yeah, now me.
2: You're, you're, that's going to be what's bugging Bob. Yeah, I'm disgusted with me.
1: It's easier that way. You always have something because if you're like me, you've always done something stupid in the 24 hours prior to that set Yes. I really do feel dirty. That's just. I'm sorry. I I don't think I've ever said this
2: to you, Bob, but you should be ashamed of yourself. I am.
1: I I feel shame, remorse, regret.
2: Don't let it happen again. Don't annoy yourself like that. Tuddy ugh. (laughs) I, I also noticed there, which I'm constantly critiquing, and I don't like hearing myself. I don't watch or see anything I do on TV. I never watch it. I can't. I was like, yeah, the day, uh, the week, uh, the season. I went from day to week. I should have
3: started at like <laughs> minute, hour, day, week, You found it. You season. worked your way there.
2: Yeah. Just kind of blah, 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 <laughs> through that.
3: Uh, all right. We got one quick one here. We learned that we were invited to Driveline, but uh, they don't know Wyman's backstory.
1: Yeah, it'd be cool just to check out the facility and just watch you know, with what, how they approach everybody differently, and then, yeah, if we could get in the cage, that'd be great. That would be I fun. Would love yeah.
2: it. I I would probably embarrass myself and possibly hurt myself. But um, <laughs>
1: that's almost a certainty. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't pull a Mitch Haniger. <laughs> well, which one? Which version? Yeah, hit in the face. I'd hit, rather hit get hit in the arm. Hit in the arm. arm. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of possibilities there, Dave. Yeah, that's... a lot of room for injury out there. Let's. We need to take a tour of that place. Definitely yeah. want to go check. Got to get down out. there. Uh, that's everything. There you go. That's what we learned. All right. That's going to do it for us. You got the Cactus League report coming your way next. How about that? So, I want to thank our guest today, Tanner Stokey of uh, Driveline, Director of Hitting, Ed McCaffrey, and El Hombre Michael Bradley, all with us today on the program. If you missed any of today's show, you know where to go SeattleSports.com. Click the podcast tab. Scroll down to our picture and click on that. You'll find everything you missed waiting for you right there. Click subscribe. That's the easiest thing to do. We're going to be back tomorrow with Wyman and Bob right here, Seattle Sports. On- on 710.